He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. Guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabi, and it's going to be another short podcast today before we do the big group podcast on Wednesday with me, Steven, Jack, you know, the crew. But today we got some interesting things to talk about, because in the news, particularly, you know, ESPN, Fox, and all the, you know, all the other, other, you know, affiliates of whatever college sports they have, a lot of talk about OU being number one. The preseason favorites to maybe, you know, make it to the cultural playoff, maybe win a national title. Spencer Rattler maybe being that number one guy for to be the Heisman Trophy winner. And, you know, I was thinking about it. And does, does Oklahoma really, have they earned that number one preseason ranking? Because here's the deal. Since 2000, Oklahoma has only been ranked number one in the preseason once I was shocked when I saw that I went through all the polls AP uh, college uh, the football coaches the coaches poll I was really shocked to see them only be ranked preseason number one once I thought maybe 2004 but USC was ahead right 2008 I believe Georgia was ahead for some reason um, and it's just a lot of other seasons, but only one season Oklahoma's been ranked number one in preseason, and that was 2011. That was Landry Jones. That was uh, the year after Austin Box had passed away, and or during that summer, anyways. And that's when they went down to Tallahassee and beat the Florida State Seminoles, in which they played. I think Clint Trickett was a quarterback after I can't remember who got knocked out of the game. But yeah, that that this is the first time that Oklahoma's been getting love as a preseason number one candidate, and it has to be a because of Spencer Rattler, right? I would suggest it has to be because of Spencer Rattler, but also the defense is really coming into its own under Alex Grinch, Brian Odom, Roy Manning, all those dudes that are bringing the hype down to Norman, Oklahoma. But I mean, what has Oklahoma done to deserve maybe this preseason number one thing, right? This ranking you've got the offense. Still run by Lincoln Riley. He does get cute still. I, 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 it frustrates the hell out of me when you know that Oklahoma's offense is probably much better than most defenses, if not all defenses in college football. And Lincoln Riley still has to run those reverse plays two to three times a game. I know it's fun for the players, but if you're better than most, if not all, then why try to run a trick play? You know, I think I think it was Lou Holtz that said if they have to run trick plays, then they can't. They know you can't beat them straight up. When that's of course not the case with Lincoln Riley. I mean, his offense, as long as the offensive line is intact, as long as the offensive line is formidable, they don't have to worry about that because they've got two dynamic running backs with two different skill sets. Kennedy Brooks, he's not going to wow you, but he's going to get the job done. He's not going to fumble the ball. Eric Gray. He's the guy that will wow you. I don't know about his ball security. I haven't watched that much film, admittedly, from him from Tennessee, other than like what we've seen. Like they're, they're, You've seen highlights. You don't see like actual game film of him fumbling the ball. But 
you've got that. You've got Oklahoma's receivers. There are several in, in, in Link Rowe's offense. It's not like you're running a million different plays. You have like several different formations with about nine different plays you're running out of each of them. So it's really the same play, just out of several different formations. Then, of course, you can go to the defensive side of the ball and see market improvement up and down the roster spot. I mean, how can you not see all his improvement? They're developing depth, legit depth, not just Perry and Winfrey, but guys behind him. And, you know, you've got to be excited as a Sooner fan, right? I mean, and we've talked about this last podcast. Oklahoma, I said Oklahoma better be in the national title game because of A, how much hype they're getting, but also B, what they're returning from last year and what they're building on defense. So I don't know if Oklahoma's earned that number one preseason ranking. I mean, like, again, at the same time, we can also say this. Preseason rankings are stupid. Why? I mean, like, you had preseason rankings for this past season that were pretty odd because you had some teams holding steady, like in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, that they weren't even playing. And you had Coastal Carolina getting up pretty high because, you know, the the weird COVID year of college football. And so preseason rankings, do they matter? In reality, no, they don't. But I'm just curious, you know, like, what has driven Oklahoma to really be deserving of that preseason ranking? I think it has to be a, t- a tandem or a combination of, yes, they beat the hell out of Florida. They're returning a quarterback that Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama are not. They've got a great offensive mind. They've got a great players. Their blue chip ratio is increasing every single year because the recruiting that Lincoln Riley and staff are doing on the recruiting trail. And, of course, the defense, which has been Oklahoma's Achilles heel for the longest time, is now becoming more than formidable. And so it's important to acknowledge Oklahoma's shortcomings in the college football playoff and how that might affect committees going in the future about Oklahoma's standing in college football, right? Like, Don't doubt yourself for a second. Don't doubt it for a second that Oklahoma's shortcomings in the college football playoff, despite coming really close against Alabama, like people suggest, oh, oh, you got the teeth kicked in by Alabama. They did initially, right? And then Oklahoma came back. And they were one stop away in playing offense from actually tying that game up in the Orange Bowl. People forget that. They just remember the very beginning. And it was, it was certainly memorable because we all thought, oh, God, oh, he does not belong here. And they did once they took Marquise Brown out, who was definitely a decoy. So when other schools and other fan bases really trash Oklahoma for not winning a college football playoff or not even advancing, it makes sense. That is fair criticism because, again, you know the committee, when they're making their decisions to put the top four teams in, which will eventually have to expand. I think top four is great, but if you go with a top eight, I think you can see a lot more excitement happen. I mean, that's what people want, and also it makes the college football playoff make more money, In which after last year, they're going to need more money. But, man, why do other schools really track? Like, let's, let's talk about it in particular. <clears throat> Texas A&M, on what grounds do they have to talk any amount of shit whatsoever about Oklahoma and what they have accomplished over, I don't know, let's even say since 1998, right? On what grounds do they have? Because let's listen, listen to this. <clears throat> A&M fans love to clown Oklahoma about not winning a college football playoff game, a national title, and uh, yeah. But this is what A&M has done, right? The last time a won any sort of conference title in football was in 1998, and that was against Kansas State in the Big 12, and Kansas State was supposed to win that game. They, that was the last time they won a conference championship. A&M has been to two 
legit bowl games since that Big 12 title. And that's including that year that they lost to Ohio State in 1998. Actually, it was 1999, January 1st. They've only been to one legit bowl game since then. Like, a, you know, the, the BCS bowl games, I don't know what they're called anymore. You know, the Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, etc. Not Cotton Bowl, but uh, Rose Bowl, all those games. They've only been to one since then, since 1998. And it was this last year against North Carolina where COVID, the COVID season, like, messed everything up. You had teams that didn't go. You had teams that played, like, three games, etc., right? They beat North Carolina in the Orange Bowl last year. Otherwise, they've been a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. They say they don't ride the coattails of Alabama, although all they do is consistently talk about how good the SEC is and not what they've been doing. Meanwhile, they've also crowned like Jimbo Fisher, right, as like, oh, national championship year pending because they're a bunch of jackasses. I don't get that. I mean, it's fair criticism. It is. It's fair criticism to say, you know what? OU's not won a college football playoff game. But even to Texas folks that like to chime in on it while Oklahoma's won six in a row in the Big 12 and Texas and Texas A&M have not come close to the type of success that Oklahoma has. This is, here's here's a good analogy. This is just like you're at a high school and you had your your JV football team and your varsity team. This is like the JV team talking shit to the varsity players. Like, oh, we won seven games last year. You guys, like, won two. Despite varsity players playing the real games that anybody actually cares about. Now, of course, AM will always love to bring up that 2012 Cotton Bowl where AM just walked all over OU and Landry Jones and Manziel just, like, just to kill OU in the second half. People forget OU was winning in the first half of that game. And uh, I get it. But they don't like to acknowledge what happened in 2003 when OU beat them 77 nothing. when they could have dropped 100. OU literally went in and started falling down on the play. I think it was Francione, or was it Francione, that got angry at Bob Stoops. And like it wasn't Stoops' fault that AM was just so god-awful that year. And so A&M players are like, oh, well, that's the last time they played. I'm begging for an OU A&M matchup. I begged for one last year. And their best quarterback in a while has been Kellen Mond, who always throws are lame duck, man. Like, it's ridiculous. I really don't get it. They're a cult. They have a dog as a mascot. Their whole, like, their whole culture down in A&M is all kinds of messed up in College Station. And, you know kind of gives me vibes of like a sun downtown and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that I'm just gonna leave it at that oh he gets to play in the real games I think they're just jealous I think they have some sort of complex and I I would welcome A&M back in the conference you know to see what they're I guess not to teach them a lesson but to see them fall to middle of the road once again as the same as they are remember when A&M and Missouri first went to the SEC and Missouri went and played in the conference championship game like two years in a row. Well, yeah, the SEC is real good. It's not that great. It's propaganda. Anyways, we're going to go over a break for our sponsors, for the people that pay the bills. When we come back, I'm going to talk about Lincoln Riley and the type of coach he is and whether that impacts his abilities to actually win a title. And then we're going to talk about another coach that has won several titles. So we'll check you guys right after the break. All right, I'm back. 
So let's talk about the type of coach Lincoln Riley is. And, you know, let's talk about other coaches first, actually, because I'm curious if and let me know if you what you guys think in on Twitter and, and in the discord about Lincoln Riley and if the type of coach he is really impacts his ability to maybe win a title in the near future. Because I look at Saban, right? This man has won wherever he has gone, right? I mean, you saw him, he, you saw him win at LSU, obviously, as a Sooner, uh, you would know. You saw him go to the Miami Dolphins briefly, and he failed there, and the players there said he was too cold and harsh, which I thought was interesting. Then he goes to Alabama, and traditional blue blood, right? And just raises them from the dead to something that is a force to be reckoned with every single year. They will be in the top four of the college football playoff every single year. And although he does take a CEO-type approach, he's also heavily involved as well. Because, we, like, you know, I'm not here to, like, bag on Stoops, but Bob Stoops took a CEO approach, and he trusted his coaches to do, do a lot of other things. Nick Saban is combining Nick Saban is combining a lot of things that Stoops didn't necessarily do as the years went on. Saban also has a CEO approach. He does. He trusts his offensive coordinator. And they get jobs yearly, right? They go elsewhere in the in the SEC and the Big Twelve to get head coaching jobs. And but he also is deeply like has his hands deeply within what the offense is doing, deeply within the defense is doing. And Bob, I know he had his hands into the special teams and somewhat the defense, you know, because he trusted his brother Mike, right? And and he just let Heupel do his thing. So when he needed somebody to get an offense with Lincoln Riley, he called Mike Leach because that's the last guy he really trusted. And so I look at Lincoln Riley, right? Um, and I think about he's a super players coach first, isn't he? He really cares about the kids. He really cares about the game, of course. And he is the offensive coordinator, so he has to be deeply, deeply involved with the offense. Duh, he is the also the offensive coordinator. And he also trusts Alex Grinch with the defense. He, he says, hey, man, like you're going to be the head coach of the defense. I'll be head coach of the offense, but also he has a title of head coach. But at the same time, pretty much everybody on the damn staff has a title associate head coach. So I also look at Urban Meyer, right, and Dabo Sweeney, both guys. Kind of similar dudes. One's a little bit more churchy, I guess if you might say, even though I kind of think that's a fake thing. Uh, Urban Meyer forgets things, but now is somehow the head coach over at Jacksonville Jaguars. But yeah, n- not Saban, Meyer, Dabo. None of those dudes were really players coaches, I don't think. Some people might say Dabo's a players coach. I don't buy that shit for a second. I don't. I don't. And so Lincoln Riley, I mean, has he gotten close? to a national title berth yes i mean nobody wants to hear about it the rose bowl right oklahoma takes care of business in the second half they go to the national title probably they really put up a fight against alabama because that 2015 or 2015 no 2017 defense wasn't too awful i mean it was bad but it wasn't like 2018 bad and i just think man is he really the guy to lead this team to a national title, is he too young? Is he too inexperienced? And I think that's what we're going to see this year, right? Because this year, the pressure's on him. In 2015, he was still the offensive coordinator. 2016, still the offensive coordinator. Then 2017, 
all he's done every single year, except last year because they lost two games. If they had not lost that Kansas State game, they would have been in the college football playoff once again. Every single year, he's been to the college football playoff. And in one of those years, or two of those years, they actually had a decent chance to get to the next level. Of course, the Rose Bowl, which they should have gotten to the next level against that Georgia team. Alabama could not have competed with that OU offense whatsoever. That 2018 team, the defense was, honest to God, terrible, terrible. And their offense with Kyler Murray still kept them in a lot of games. They put up a fighting chance against Alabama. Of course, fell short, couldn't get an extra stop. I think lost like 31-45 or something like that. They lost by two scores or something, something to that effect. Completely get obliterated by LSU. Everybody else did. I don't feel too bad about it, but at the same time, you probably shouldn't want to give up 67 points on a national stage. And then you go and destroy Florida in the Cotton Bowl. And my thing is, at the same time as I can say, man, is Lincoln Riley the type of coach? We really haven't seen him with this much pressure on him, right? 2016, when they beat uh, Auburn in the Sugar Bowl, we thought, okay, OU's got a decent chance to do something in 2017. And they did. They got really close, especially with that offense. The, that offense was unstoppable. Baker Mayfield, Marquise, Marquise Brown, uh, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Mark Andrews, everybody. The, off, the offensive line, the entire thing's in the NFL now, right? And that was a lot, the last time Oklahoma had a legit squad, I think, to actually make the national title game and actually win. This year, this is a whole... New type of pressure. Everybody knows your defense is good now, Lincoln. Everybody knows what the offense has been like for the last however many years since he's been on campus since in 2015. Everybody knows what to expect from that offense. Is he the type of coach to get that done? Is he immature? Has he learned some? Because early on, remember, we all griped about him abandoning the run game. And then that's exactly what got them back in the game against Baylor when Jalen Hurts was the quarterback, right? In Waco, instead of panicking, throwing the ball a lot. They kept on running, 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 playing solid defense, playing keep away from Baylor's offense, and it worked. Will Oklahoma, will he have them, when they when they panic, or when things are going the opposite way, like you saw last year, Oklahoma get out a two-and-a-half score, three-score lead, right? 17 points, 21 points, 14 points. They get to a two-three-score two, lead, and then you're thinking, okay, cool, awesome. They were up by like 22 against Kansas State at home. Don't forget that, guys. They lost. They were up by 14, I think, against Iowa State, or 10 or 17, one of the two. They lost up in uh, Ames. And so maybe that's just the maturity of the team, but also the maturity of the coach. I think he can be a guy that gets it done because you saw Bob Stoops as a young guy come in here in Norman and win a national title. And I think if there's any year that is going to show you what Lincoln Riley is about, I think there's if there's any year that you're going to be able to see Lincoln Riley really put on a show and say he he's going to be the coach at Oklahoma for the next 10 years or 5 years or whatever, or win a national title at least, it'll be this year because all the cards are down. There's really not an excuse. You have depth pretty much everywhere, quality talent everywhere. You don't have a defense to blame. Your offense has been elite for however many years. You have a Heisman Trophy leading quarterback. You have a lot of really good, you're going to have a defense that's going to get drafted. You have an offense that's going to get drafted in the NFL draft. Really no excuse. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like. 
I think he can win a national title, but this year, this year, barring injury, of course, barring injury will show us whether or not he is that coach. And let's talk about the coach that is that coach. Shout out to freaking Patty Gasso. I mean, three game series in Stillwater against the OSU Cowgirls. And basically for the regular season, conference championship. And they lose the first game. The second game, they fight tooth and nail. They win the second game. In the third game, you think they're about to run rule the Cowgirls. And then, like, OSU comes within, like, two runs, I believe. And OU just keeps on one and up in them. And then, like, May, man, G. Juarez, she, Oklahoma had, like, three pitchers in both second and third games. And Patty Gasso's girls find a way to get it done despite, you know, that BS tag call where um, Jada Coleman was safe to third. And then the OSU third baseman literally knocked her arm off. And then the the ref just said, oh, yeah, you're out, which is a bunch of shit in itself. But, yes, I think Patty Gasso deserves a statue bigger than Tex in State Fair. She deserves a statue bigger than what you see in Tulsa with the Tulsa Driller. Just put up a big 200-foot-tall stone statue right outside the damn softball stadium to let everybody know this is like one of the most successful head coaches longevity-wise and just in general at the University of Oklahoma. Patty Gasso is OSU's mother on Mother's Day. You got to love to see it. But anyways, that's going to wrap the podcast up. We'll check you guys back on Wednesday. You can follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CCMachine. Um, we'll be a full group podcast on Wednesday. We'll talk about more recruiting and other things involved with the Big 12 and everything else going into that. If you like what you heard for the first time, hit the subscribe button and maybe give us a five-star review because we really appreciate it. But until next time, I'll check you guys later.